0: Hello. Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast where we get to chat with people about how their multiple passions shape who they are as a person and how they show up in the world. For our best of episodes, we are choosing clips from some of our favorite interviews with our wonderful guests over the last few years and sharing them with you as, you know, like a little teaser, a little appetizer, if you will. If you like these clips, you can head over to the full interviews with our guests, which are linked in the show notes, and listen to our interviews. You can also hang out with us on social media. We are on most major platforms as WNB the podcast. For this Pride Month episode, we are including clips from our interviews with Julian Baker, on Anjimili, and of course, Harvey Guillen. I hope that you enjoy. Up first, we have the inimitable Harvey Guillen, who you might know better as Guillermo.
1: And yeah, I feel like because of this maybe it has to be a combination of things, maybe with the success of shadows and uh, people knowing your name now a little bit more than they might have a couple of seasons ago, and uh-huh, uh-huh. more of, um, you know, possibility, and then those doors are open, and by all means, like, the work has been put, so if those doors open, I'm ready to, you know, kick them <laughs> <open>. <laughs> like, if they're, if they're a jar, I will kick them open, um, love, that. But love that, yeah, and so, you know, it's a combination of things, and I feel like, you know and you still like audition for things or some things are offers and it's nice to always get an offer because as an actor you're like oh wow they don't even want to hear me do it nope they want you and they yeah. trust you to do it and you're like oh wow that's so nice and then you still obviously get auditions like yeah they want you to put on tape We're like okay you know and, I'm, and either or
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: it's always nice to to be wanted
0: <laughs> yes yes and especially I mean Every entertainment field is filled with you just being like, Hi, I'm kicking the door. And the door's like, Yeah. You're like, No, I'm kicking the door. And the door's like, I don't really care. And then yeah. after about 10 years, the door's like, oh, I guess I'll open.
1: Yeah. My favorite thing is always people saying, Well, I love you on that show. And it's like, oh, What an overnight success. And it's like, Well, because like, <laughs> you, you just discovered me, you know, like you yeah. just, but overnight, Uh, you don't see like all the work and you know the sweat blood and tears uh for the past years and years and years you know towards this because and that should make that's my job as well to make it look effortless Mm -hmm. when you see someone perform you're like that looks so good the natural I believe that wow that guy's good you know it's like good that's the job I did the job well like I did it I did it I did it I made it look effortless so there there you go
0: (laughs) yeah because you posted something um of course I insta-stalked you before I interview like one does as a professional (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> expected and encouraged
0: exactly and I loved your post where you were talking about like how you had that acting teacher that was just like oh you should be in theater yeah and like, excuse me not to like you know dunk on theater but like at the same time you were just like what
1: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was weird because I very you know toxic relationship um with this drama teacher uh, I mean, I can say his name, because I don't care, because, you know, he's, he knows who he is, and it was Patrick Posada, and he was very problematic when he kind of, um, the way he talked to the students, like, I remember him, like, telling one of the girls that were asking her if she was going to lose weight, because Hollywood,
2: wow.
1: you know, uh, and I was like, you can't ask us that, and, you know, I've always had, like, body issues growing up like I've always been bigger and so for me I was like always I was always happy with who I was it wasn't until someone pointed out that I shouldn't be right you know and it was like I've always been look growing up I was always happy I mean I came from a very poor family uh immigrant family like low income I I was happy and I wasn't I I was only not happy when someone told me that I shouldn't be because I didn't have you know, those gifts, or I didn't have that bicycle, or I didn't have that body, or I didn't have that eye color, or that haircut, like it was, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be having until someone was dictating what I should be feeling. And then once I realized it was like, my feelings are not for you to maneuver and conduct and steer, then the sooner you learn that, the sooner you're like in your own skin and make peace with that and hold your space, you know? So I
0: love that, that your feelings are your own and that it's like, in a way we teach scarcity and we teach prejudice, whereas our default setting is just like, yeah, I'm cool.
1: Yeah. And I was, that was always just cool with, you know, being who I am until like, you know, going to the business of like doing theater. And I always did theater growing up and in high school, this new teacher came in and he had been in the biz because this guy had been in Karate Kid 2 as flower, go- flower guy number two. And, <laughs> good old flower guy number two yeah and of course the scene was omitted um he said he had to out with the director or something that's where they decided not to go with it that's the story and he's sticking to it but this guy had been in the biz like we we took everything he said with you know such weight like we were like whoa mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. You know? and so he really uh kind of carried himself that way and I remember one time I just asked him. I was like, "Well, I want to be intelligent in television and film. How did you do it? I want to get." He's like, "You want to be intelligent in television and film?" He's like, "He's like, yeah. Do you think you'd be intelligent in television and film?" And he was like, "When pigs fly." Wow. And I just remember thinking, "Whoa, what?" He's all like, "No. What I'm saying is, look, you're very, very funny. You're very funny. Stick to theater. Theater is better because theater's more forgiving." You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. And I was just like, I, I think so. He's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, stick to theater. You're going to be great in theater. Hey, whatever you need, let me know. And, you know, I got contacts uh, at different theaters. And, you know, he talks like a big talk. And I was like, that's not what I'm focusing on. Like, you, what are you saying that I can't do TV and film? That was in my back of my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of that classroom. And for the brief second that I walked out, I really remember this moment of like doubting myself. For mm-hmm. the, brief, well, the smallest second, I really thought, Oh, maybe he's right. What do? And then I went, wait a minute, fuck that guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, I want to put that guy on a trebuchet and launch him into the sun.
1: Yeah, and I was just like, no. I was like, you know what? If it's like a cup of tea, it's like not everyone's gonna drink it and have it's their flavor, but it's still piping hot. And if someone doesn't like it at this table, just move it on to the next one. And eventually, oh I'm gonna take a sip and you know and realize that it's their cup of tea.
0: I mean, like full disclosure. When I did tell my friend Lori Penny, who is an amazing journalist and writer, um, I told them that I was interviewing you, and their reaction was, "Oh my god, I have the biggest crush on him." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, like yes. single and ready to mingle. That's exactly.
0: That's I was the just like, Way
1: I think for everyone,
0: right? right? Now. They were like, "Oh my god!" It was just crazy
1: <laughs> the way that he spoke to people and. And eventually, um, you know, I, I remember thinking about this not so long ago when I posted that on Instagram where I did a photo shoot with this amazing friend and uh, photographer, Ali Vizi, mm-hmm. um, who's amazing. And, and she said, I want to do something different, something weird. And I was like, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to like, basically, I was in underwear. You can see my legs and I'm just wearing a shirt and, and I'm wearing this pig mask mm-hmm. and I mean, like, mm-hmm. these, like dance, like arabesque, like middle of air with all my years of like dance training, like
0: You have a great
1: point, by the way. Oh, thank you. Well, there you go. All those years. And then I wanted to show off the like, you know, and going back and if I ever bumped into him, I would just go to him and just be like, when pigs fly, you know, like you said, when pigs fly, huh? And it's like, well, oink, oink, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out this whole time you were putting something down that on its own was taking flight I was that when pigs fly I am the miracle I am myself the pig that's flying something you've never seen before I am that so yes. you look at it right in front of you and you never saw it because you never put me in that position I put myself in that position
0: yes and I'm like who who do you feel like you looked up to in that way or did you have anyone that you looked up to that did give you that feeling of like fuck that guy. I'm going to go do this.
1: <laughs> like... There wasn't a lot growing up that I could really kind of latch on to just because, you know, growing up, I didn't see a lot of like plus size Latinx, you know, kids on TV. That was mm-hmm. one of the things that I was, you know, warned about when I was little. they were like, you know, where do you see yourself on television? And I, I didn't. And yeah. then years and I, and and I realized that just because you don't see yourself doesn't mean you can't be the first. Excellent. you know, and so learning that was like, Cause you know, it is discouraging. I I had like, I had some, I had like semi like that. I was like, Oh, like John Belushi and John Candy, these big, funny guys, both unfortunately tragic ending, you know? So it was like, I was like, Ooh, I was like, is there like an expiration? Like, I was like, Oh, what am I, what am I getting myself into? You know, it's like, so, but those were the only people I could latch onto. And the people that I saw, like, in, you know, Spanish-speaking television and the Latinx culture were always the butt of the jokes and literally were called, you know, el noño or el gordo. Like, it was, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, these terms that were um, horrible and no kid wanted to be called those things, you know? So I was, like, oh, I can't even, like... It went down to, like, the Power Rangers, like, growing up. I was, like, which Power Ranger am I? (laughs) 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 And it was just, like, well, I guess I can be... Like, Billy? Because Billy's, like, cool and nerdy and he has glasses. And And then people are like, well, you can't be Billy. And it's like, why? Because Billy's blue-eyed and blonde hair. And I was like, but I have, like, similar characters. And it was like, well, you could maybe be Jason, but not really because Jason's really cool.
0: You're like, thanks. Thanks, guys.
1: (laughs) Thanks, guys. And then then also, mind you, this was coming from a group of, like, kids who were all, like, multi-ethnic, you know? So it was like... Within the community there was already this like idea and like of like segregation and and, and racism within the group of like people yeah. who, people of color themselves. And I was like, Wait, what? Why are we doing this? Like why are we doing yes. this? And and it's just because, you know, I think out of fear like that's like hate is taught or or to to fear something that's different than you. Not to say that and you know, those kids were like extreme No, <laughs> like, out, no, I don't think they're like yeah, no, 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 no. they are dunking on them. do no, no, but it starts off. I noticed that it does start, you know, and even in the Latino community, there, um, there, there's always something like a little like backhanded compliment or something that that's being taught from you know our parents and grandparents who are products of their time and their environment, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. doesn't make it right. You know, people used to smoke inside an office and drink scotch before noon. Doesn't right. mean it's right.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds like a good time, but it doesn't mean it's right. Be previous about science. If we're like, hmm, did yeah. we discover something new? <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we've come so far. We have so far to go.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you were talking about it's almost like when you don't have representation, you have to almost like interpolate yourself into other characters and into other schemas that you're like, this doesn't quite it, but I guess it's close enough.
1: Yeah, like I think I'll, this will do. Yeah, but the idea is that hopefully there's a kid who's seeing TV right now and sees the opportunity and possibility because they see someone who looks like them. Which I know for a fact, a lot of people have reached out and, and they said, "I'm part of like you know, I don't see a lot of people in the in the goth world who are Latinx, especially are yeah. not represented." And because of Guillermo and what we do in the shadows is very goth, you know, friendly. Um, they feel represented and I've had people come to me uh, at at comic cons last year where they literally were in tears like I never feel seen especially being Latinx or being queer being person of size being person of color and when you check off all these like you know boxes as that you are saying it's okay to be these things and yes you are you know allowed to hold space and this is your time and you're allowed to have happiness and you're entitled to to pursue a life of happiness, you know then that really yes. make a difference with anyone who's watching and it doesn't matter what age it is and if it's a teenager or a kid who's looking at being an actor and sees it as something aspirational or it's an adult who halfway through life realized, yeah why am I not doing what makes me happy and they switch it around then, yes. then by all means everything's been done for a reason.
0: <laughs> yes, and not to not to spoil anything, but especially Guillermo's story arc really speaks to that.
1: Absolutely. Where you, <laughs> you you read a book by its cover and you just make assumptions and, and then realize that there's greater power in someone that you, you never saw.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I was just like, and that, oh, I love that you actually are getting to communicate with the people that have found so much meaning in what you're doing, because it sounds like as a kid, you were like, oh, I don't really see this. And now as an adult, you can be like, oh, I am this, but also to take in that you are making an impact in that way. I'm like, well, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, happy. <laughs> it makes me happy too just because i you know i was looking for a mold for so long because i was being told that the mold was not is somewhere out there for you that you might fit you're kind of like a jack black you're like a latinx jack black and and i love Jack. like he's great but i was like well i like to be my own thing you know yeah like, you to compare me to and then so now what the goal is that hopefully someone can he was latinx who's you know uh maybe plus size or bigger can be compared like yeah you're like a like a young Harvey Guillen, you know? Yeah.
0: Next, we have one third of the band Boy Genius, AKA Julian Baker. That's hilarious. My brain is like existential tangent. That's what we're here for. (laughs) That's my bio.
3: (laughs) existential tangent
0: oh my god yeah when I originally started this podcast it was like oh I want to talk to people who do multiple things that they're passionate about and then the world like low-key just inverted itself and I'm like I want to talk to people about literally whatever they want to talk about
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome I really enjoy conversations like that too because then it's like know it flows in a more natural way it doesn't feel like me providing like canned answers i guess
0: yeah because it's it's especially weird if someone comes in with like a preconception of you like i've had that on the other side of either being interviewed or speaking to someone where someone is already like oh well i want to ask you about xyz and you're like well i guess i could talk about that but shrug
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) And it's always interesting because it's like, I do feel a responsibility to answer the questions that I get asked most often about my art thoughtfully because that is part of what my job entails. Yes. Not only the the making of the music, but also the ongoing commentary around it. But like, yeah, sometimes I... I'm getting better at it, though. I'm getting better at answering questions honestly instead of trying to find, like, a way to placate or, like, a neat, tidy way to reconcile something I'm talking about. I feel like I used to get asked uncomfortable questions and I would give, like, greeting card answers because (laughs) I... Confrontation makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, or not even just con- yeah, I guess confrontation. Like I would never I just wouldn't be a person who disagrees with like an interviewer or even like a person I'm having a conversation with. I feel like my um my cop out is always like that may be true, but and then try to like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just such a like a toxically accommodating person, so I'm working on not being that
0: it's hard especially if you're used to accommodating people like if you're used to yes ending when you say no to someone you're like did i do it right
3: yeah <laughs> well, especially that has a ton to do with like i don't know it it does have a lot to do i think more than i would have been credit to or recognized myself because it felt like to say that it had to do with how was i how i was socialized as a woman that Mm -hmm. i was more accommodating that i was non-confrontational um i i'm sure that there's other things about like my childhood experience and my parents that make me like that but also it does very much have to do with um being a female body in this world and like how i'm regarded by others and i didn't want to say that like i never i think i never wanted to acknowledge that about myself because it felt like a weakness that i would not mm. be able to see how i had been socialized by a patriarchal patriarchal structure mm-hmm. and then override that like once i yeah. can recognize it but there's so many things you know i'm learning all the time that it's not always so easy to just logically accept something and then put it into practice there's so many mental hurdles to overcome with everything
0: yes and especially when you're still within that structure that like we internalize it in a way that we went along with a structure we were raised in that that's a weakness but it's like wait that structure still exists even once i've realized it you're like hold up that means that now i realized it and i'm like swimming kind of against the stream? Do things swim against streams? I don't know how things swim. um <laughs>
3: swim against streams? I think that's the whole thing. Like Sam, that's like how bear, like grizzly bears, catch salmon because they're swimming uh-huh. upstream. Uh huh. Isn't that the
0: whole? Here we thing? go. Yeah. You know, I. It's so funny. I'm like, I, I'm from LA. I don't know how things swim. I swim.
3: do <laughs> 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 things swim upstream?
0: Exactly. Um. But yeah, it's like once. <laughs> it's like once you realize that, then you have to keep reinforcing like a narrative that goes against like the dominant narrative which that takes so much effort
3: <laughs> it takes so much effort and it's something too that also like if you have something specific that you wanted to talk about i don't want to like get to the end of an hour and you'd be like i didn't cover anything so you can like cut <gasps> me off at any time but like a thing i've been thinking about is uh the same thing is true of me under recognizing how much a male-dominated society had affected me and how much i Mm -hmm. or how comfortable i feel in the world like the same thing is true of my identity as a queer person and i find myself Mm -hmm. in a lot of interviews now going back when i'm asked specifically about like queer musicians or just queer people that i looked up to as a child or Mm-hmm. I'm f- female musicians non-cis male musicians I am recognizing this pattern of assimilation that I didn't want to acknowledge like but when A with an identity there's no right way to execute it B no one hands you a a handbook on being queer right, right. when you recognize that you have a crush on a girl in your class no one is like here you need to read all these books and so then I I feel like that's like that is the really uh insidious part of um and damaging uh thing about heteronormative society is that like in addition to um trans lives and like specifically black trans lives being uh disproportionately more at risk than Mm -hmm. like whatever straight passing cis people walking around um and the actual physical violence that is incurred uh, upon queer people. There is also like I don't know it is. Like, or like maybe a, a self-reinforcing internalized homophobia that makes people engage with their queerness in a really unhealthy or heteronormative way like I was social until I got to college and made friends with a bunch of other lesbians I was just a person who like hung out with dudes Mhm said like said queer slurs in my regular language but without like now when I say something is queer it's like from a position of pride and like solidarity but like mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's like I I have to actually be accountable to those um, things that I did out of ignorance, sure, but also because queerness was innately, like, oppositional to mm-hmm. normative society and to the power structures that existed around me of just, like, hetero life in high school in Tennessee. Yeah. So I, it's like, I-, I can see in my own life how I chose to assimilate So much more often, as a self-preservation method, so much more often than I chose to retaliate or, like, rebel. Mm. And, I don't know, um, yeah, I wish that there had been more channels or examples of people radically asserting their queerness or, um, their themselves as a, a, a woman or female, um yeah yeah but like yeah i guess that's the work the work is acknowledging the resources you didn't have and the mistakes that they allowed you to make because Mm. of you being deprived of resources
0: Um, yes information and art and conversations like this one where Mm -hmm. people can also hear that you are taking accountability for being like hey Instead of like doubling down and feeling ashamed, it's more like, hey, I didn't have the resources. I have them now. Yeah. I'm learning a lot. I've learned a lot. Oh my gosh, how do I share with other people? Like, because that's exactly like ugh, that's so interesting that you said that. You're like, yeah, no one hands you a guidebook, and it's like, of course they don't because they're they're all like covert guides. Yeah. It's almost like once you figure out, like, oh wait, I'm queer. It's like you you all of a sudden look back and you're like, oh my God, all these little unrelated seeming moments in my past, they seem to, oh. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and
3: then it's like, without, again, like, without, hmm, I, I even find this in my earlier music that especially the love songs that I would write or more often the, like, heartbreak songs I would write mm-hmm. are very much the, like, a queer experience um like re situated into like a straight dynamic because Mm -hmm. i feel like that was so again it's like i still had a very binary understanding of gender and gender roles within a relationship because that's just how i was raised and Mm -hmm. once i came out all my dude friends just treated me like a dude and so i was basically just like enacting um really toxic uh like heterodynamics uh Mm -hmm. with like these really screwed up uh ideas of like what femininity means and what like like i think about this all the time but like it took me so long even to be like there doesn't have to be a male female dynamic in queer relationships yes but like if that is all you're ever shown like of course when i'm 15 it's like i i feel like there are these very clearly defined slots that everybody has to fit into of like, dominant or non-dominant or like Mm -hmm. Asian femme. And I don't know, it's just like, it is very much just taking what you see and like, that's all the information you have.
0: Yeah, Um, and it's like, and that's, it's so important to have other things in our culture so that people can be like, oh wait, there's other ways to be. Yeah.
3: Other ways to be, yeah. Seriously, right. all I knew about relationships was like I used to watch Comedy Central <laughs> stand up. No, this is great. I used to come home from school and I would just watch like the two hour block of the thirty minute Comedy Central presents stand up. Oh my and god! I, was, like, I didn't, I didn't know what else to watch. I'm just out here getting home from school. That's amazing. You know, making some chips, watching Comedy Central, and so basically, my context for adult relationships was exclusively, and also it was like male comedians being like aren't women annoying don't you hate going shopping and waiting with them and how they never can make decisions and then women comedians or female comedians being like is it annoying how men are completely emotionally available and really (laughs) uh dirty and basically adult children that you have to clean up after all the time oh well i guess that is the male female dynamic and so it's like of course yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's like that is what was presented to me, and it makes me so happy now, even though I try not to get like overexcited about progress in a way that di- uh, ignores or diminishes awareness of how much work there still is to do, but especially when I see like my younger cousins and stuff or like younger people in my life, the way that they talk about relationship dynamics and about what's unhealthy and even the portrays. Um, queerness and um sexual agency and the importance of consent i'm just like wow this is this is actually so much different than what i was being given as a child and that makes me yes
0: Last but not least, we have the brilliant musician on Lee who just put out a gorgeous new album.
2: Once, you know, the mix, once the masters are in, the track list is set. I don't need to listen to that anymore. Yep, you I, already did. It. I don't really want to. It'll make me feel embarrassed or self-conscious. But when other people, you know, are like, hey, this, this has meaning for me.
3: Like, I yeah. get a lot
2: of really sweet DMs from queer folks and queer and trans folks and non-queer and trans mm-hmm. folks. So we're like, hey... Your music makes me feel like I can't exist. Oh like that's literally I couldn't imagine that's a that's a result beyond my wildest dreams. So yeah.
0: That's beautiful. That's that's so much more powerful than any kind of fame that we're talking about. Like that kind of an impact when you connect with someone and they feel that it's okay that they exist in the world.
2: Yeah, I like I did an Instagram takeover for Cave Town, mm-hmm. and like a lot of his fans are just like baby queers, mm-hmm. and so I've like gotten a bunch of DMs from like you know the youth, who so are yes. just like thanks for being trans, and I'm like you're welcome.
0: <laughs>
1: go ahead,
2: kids. Like go ahead.
0: Yes. Yes. oh yeah like I think of my friends that did transition when we were younger and there really weren't people to look towards because it was like okay well you can transition now but what happens to you later what does this look like not right now (laughs) (laughs) And so, seeing my friends that are now in the community that are like, you know, like in like their late thirties and early forties and things like that, where it's like having having representation to be like, oh, because so many people, I don't know if this happened to you, but so many people uh, were told that it was like a phase or that it was trendy, and I was like, what? Like, I remember being so baffled by that reaction, mm-hmm. like when my friends came out as trans, that like people would be like, it's a phase. I'm like who would put themselves through this phase? What are you, what on earth are you talking about?
2: Yeah. I, uh, so my, my mom is just fully homophobic and transphobic and I don't have a relationship with my parents, uh, mm-hmm. right now as a result. And like, yeah, I remember like, it's just like stuff like it being a phase is just too foolish for me to like stomach. Like, I just can't, it's like, I don't even have the energy to roll my eyes at it, you know. It's like it yeah. just doesn't make any sense, does it, brother?
0: No. But, and it's like
2: oh. it's weird, and like uh, it's 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 nice. even if it was a phase, what would that have to do with like that the the announce the announcement of that realization? Yeah. Like, maybe for some folks it is a phase. Like I. I don't know. Someone is allowed to have a phase and also someone is allowed to announce something without it being characterized as a phase, you know, like GTFO.
0: Yeah. Like why punish someone for exploring themselves?
2: (sighs) Yeah. People are scared of other people being themselves. I think.
0: Yeah. I
2: I think in the case of my mother, I felt she's like super religious. Mm. so I think she perceives my identity as like a threat to hers oh I'm so sorry you know eh, I I'm not sure that I am it's kind of been better not to have her in my life well no it definitely has yeah um I'd I'd just rather be who I am yeah and it's it's funny because I like I talk about being trans in interviews and stuff and well, I appreciate, I appreciate it and I understand it. Folks are like, yo, you're like so strong for like being queer in public. And I'm like, first of all, thank you. Secondly, I'm not, I guess I do have a choice. But like, I've lived the other choice and it's yeah. untenable. Yeah. It's uh hellish. Yeah. And... I fully believe that, like, before I got sober, my life was a living hell because I made it that way, Mm -hmm. because I was just, like, in the throes of addiction. And Mm -hmm. now, as a sober person who was, like, happy and queer and trans and, like, whatever, who else? Who knows what's going to happen later? um, I feel like if I had the capacity to, like, make my life a living hell, then I have the capacity to make it heaven. Mm. And there is, there's no hiding in heaven. There's nothing to hide in heaven.
0: Oh, I love that. I was like, I have no follow up. I just want to sit in
2: that. And, like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be seen like I'm like fucking enlightened or anything. I have issues. <laughs> I have issues. And they are, you know, I have therapy. I got a sponsor in my recovery program. Like, I have a support system. To help me so that I can like just keep moving forward in this world with compassion and empathy and like some, at least some, a modicum of (laughs) (laughs) self-awareness.
0: Well, and I think that it's important to recognize that no one does this alone. There's a support crew and there's no shame in a support crew. If anything, like I encourage people to both have a support crew and be a part of someone else's support crew.
2: Yes, it is a is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to like show up to support my friends today. Just because I remember when that was something I did not have the capacity to do. Yeah. And it feels nice to be able to be like, yeah, bro, like I got you. Like you want a glass of water? Exactly. <laughs> figure this out, son.
0: <gasps> We're gonna get there. Yeah. yeah. Cause showing up for other people, like in a way, it's for me, at least, it feels sometimes as good, if not better, than showing up for myself. Like showing up for myself is sometimes harder, frankly.
2: Oh yeah, that's uh, that's something that took me a long time to realize. That helping other people feels great. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I encourage people when when they're scared to reach out for help, I'm like, but then not only one, you, you get help, but also you give someone else the opportunity to help you. And that feels really awesome when you're able to help someone and you can see that you've like been a part of affecting change. You're like, Oh, Oh, this is great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Therapists must love that shit when their clients grow and they're like, yeah, yeah.
0: Can I I tell you, can I tell you a secret? Sure. My day job is that I'm a therapist.
2: Cool. <laughs> Why is that a uh, secret?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Because um, I was like, you have not met me before.
2: Um, oh, ha, oh ha, ha, ha. got you. Got you, got you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something fuck wild. I'm going to be honest with you. That's hilarious. I'm um, not sure what was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Surprise! I'm a compassionate person professionally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
2: no, go on. yeah
0: I started uh, I started doing therapy as like an adjunct to music stuff because it's like sometimes I make money making music and sometimes I like don't so I was like well I like teaching people I already did that I did tutoring and stuff so I was like oh well I already know I like helping people and people just tell me stuff so what else can I do so yeah started on that path and over the course of the pandemic i now have literally like a team of therapists which is crazy like i never anticipated that i'd run like a group practice but it's been
2: amazing yeah that's amazing
0: Um, yeah it was kind of wild like i i mean there's for lack of a better way of saying it there's a great need for mental health care right now um And so, and there is only one Pam. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I now have an awesome team of therapists. Um, but yeah, like it is really cool to see what happens throughout clients experience. And like, it's so sad because like, there's a few of my clients that like, um, That I'm terminating with to actually pass on to some of my associates that have like different specialties and different stuff so that I can then like supervise more and things like that. Mm -hmm. But there's this feeling even as a therapist, like terminating with a client, even when it's like the appropriate time, because you're like, I am passing you on to the next person and or I am setting you free into the world where you're like well, but I'm so invested in the story now. Like, look at how much has changed. I want to know what Mm -hmm. happens next. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, we got to do so much good stuff together. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's really exciting seeing like where someone was and where they're going. Um, So like, yeah, I mean, maybe there's some therapists that like aren't stoked on this, at which point I'd question why they're in the profession. Um, But like, (laughs) But yeah, that was a really long way of saying, uh, uh-huh. yes, therapists do get really excited when they can see change in their clients and when they see growth and when they know like that they're part of that. And even though it's bittersweet <laughs> to, to be like, fly in my birds.
2: Oh, <laughs> now I'm just feeling super tender about my therapist.
0: Oh,
2: she's really That's- clutch. And she's been helping me like through my indie journey. <laughs> Yeah. And, and like, helping me realize that, like, my career, my life is shifting in a huge way now that I'm, like, an entertainer.
0: Yeah. And
2: I'm beginning to experience, like, I would say, like, material success and opportunities that I never thought would actually kind of be real.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's been It's been so nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that she's there to hold that space for you because since she's outside of the music industry um, and outside of any sort of personal involvement in your development, other than just like that she's your therapist. Yeah. um, that's really beautiful because there is a lot of identity that's tied into the art that we make. And then when that gets rolled into like opportunities and then relationships and then changing roles in society, that can be a lot.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's just, it's why I like, like my girlfriend is a, she's a mechanic Mm -hmm. and she's like a music lover, but she's like not at all a hipster Uh or an indie person in any way. And it's really so dope um to just have that as a reminder that like this community there's just it's just it's just one of many communities like when my debut came out i was like ah babe like i'm waiting for this pitchfork review i'm so stressed out she was like what the fuck is that what did you say what did you call me and i was like oh my god you're right this is stupid
0: god yes the almighty pitchfork reviews that's like literally sometimes I'll be working on stuff with my friends and like one of us will say to the other like so what would the review of this be like on pitchfork and we'll make up like imaginary pitchfork reviews for like what we're actively working on
2: oh my god yeah Yeah.
0: like Um, it sounds like the ambiance of a late 1930s bathtub but a scene through the (laughs) eyes of a prehistoric barista
3: (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, <God>. Yeah. <gasps> yep.
0: Yep. <Thank> you. <laughs> or like have you, I dunno if you've ever worked with anyone that has been reviewed on Pitchfork and then they like get angry about their reviews on Pitchfork, because that's really fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. My um yes. I yes.
0: <laughs> it's like a rite of passage to get through like remembering even, Hey, why am I making stuff? <laughs> <laughs> like, <gasps> the end result of this is not a pitchfork review?
2: Yeah. It was a big, like mirror pep talk moment. Like, Hey buddy, what do you win this for? Exactly. <laughs> why do you make art? <laughs> and what's the deal? What is art? Your whole identity? Is it, is it your whole life? And the reality is no. I nope. do not want art to be my whole life uh, or my whole identity. Nope. It's a, uh, it's a part of my life. Uh, you know, cycling is my identity. <laughs> <laughs> my bicycle is my life. <laughs> you <kidding> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you again for tuning in to the best of one up Both. If you liked what you heard, please head over to the show notes where you can find the links to the full episodes with our guests that were featured in this episode. Of course, like, subscribe, share with your friends, send carrier pigeons. All of those things help our podcast grow and get to listeners ears just like yours. You can also hang out with us on social media under WNB the podcast on most major platforms. Catch you on the next episode.